truth is my disguise But I know what I want And I know that you feel the same Lost inside and So I had the privilege today of speaking with Connor Weinstein of the band Next Door to the Moon, and uh, it was a fun conversation. Really enjoyed it, and met Connor from uh, from kind of sort of through his roommate Ryan Gone. So talked to Ryan. Connor heard the podcast, loved it. We uh, he reached out, we connected, and uh, you know had a lot in common, a lot of a lot of um, fun things to talk about regarding social media and the business side of art. And so, you know, we had a phone call, hit it off, and it's like, why not record this conversation? So that's the episode today. So recorded the conversation, talked to him about his art, about life, you know, how it all kind of combines, this doing different things, different, uh, you know, wearing different hats. And, you know, one of the hats he wears is as as a marketing person for his family business, Blue Planet Eyewear, and uh, just a cool company. He'll tell you about that eco-friendly company and or eco i don't know is that word echo or eco we'll go with uh i think eco is more the word but um you know just, just cool people doing cool things you know similar to i, I mentioned coco Veni to to connor and uh yeah that's just you know kind of kind of that kind of vibe you know it's a california vibe and we're seeing a lot of companies you know throughout the, throughout the the whole nation that are getting to be a little more um eco-friendly and doing things that are more sustainable and it's just you're really cool with with new technologies and and st louis is a big is you, you know is really big on new tech uh you know when we talk about new tech that's one thing you're going to learn very soon about uh, american mallard it's um you know new technology it, it's not um anything as far as an app or anything computer related but uh still new technology so keep your eyes out for american mallard excited about that and uh you know one thing that connor had offered at, at the end of this show with a uh, blue planet eyewear you know check out their website I've, I've listed the link to um to what they have to offer here on the show page and uh he's offering a, a special conversations with calcaterra discount code so if you go and go to my website sign up for the mailing list then I will reply back to you with uh, with that code for 20% off. So can't thank him enough. That's really exciting for somebody to somebody to do that for me. And I'm, I'm just, yeah, I can't thank him enough. So that's really fantastic. And as always, you know, I can't thank the sponsors enough. Dr. Mark Holland. And uh, Dr. Mark Holland, he uh, doesn't necessarily have the discount, but one thing that he does for his his patients is uh, part of what he does for the community and for charitable type type things is he'll uh, he'll run a, a Toys for Tot toy drive. And uh, with that, he'll offer like a free exam or uh, free x-rays. Um, so he'll include those in it, the initial visit to, to check you out, see what's going on and uh, see how he can help you. So that's a, that's one cool thing he does. And he'll also have different giveaways for referrals and things of that nature. 
So that is, uh, yeah, that's one thing Dr. Holland does to to mix it up and to you know help his patients. So good dude there, good marketing on that front. And just check out his website. You can learn more about uh, different tips to you know keep your back healthy and strong and keep a keep a healthy spine. Also want to thank John Webster from John Webster Pen and Ink. And just go check out his artwork. Comment on his art. You know, it's it's tough being an artist. It's uh, you know, one of those things where he spends a lot of time, and it's nice to get those comments. It's really, you know, it's just something that really validates what what we're doing. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you know, we're doing it just for that creative expression, but uh, you know, artists want people to experience what they're doing. And as as Connor talks about in this uh, episode. You know, we, we all want to connect as humans, as artists, as, you know, just the whole spectrum. We want to connect with others. You know, it's important. You know, when we're children, we want to connect with our parents. We want to connect with our families. You know, then eventually we start connecting to the world. And it's just an incredible thing. And when I talk about connection as well, you know, I, you know, Hobo Kane, uh, Hobo Kane, Javier Mendoza, he, uh, you know, he's one that also connects with his audience. Amazing musician, wonderful storyteller, and uh, that's one thing that, you know, he has that connection with his fans. His songs, the fans can connect to what he's putting down, what he's, you know, what he's putting out there. So, you know, honored to uh, to promote him and, uh, you know, put his website out there, hobocane.com. As always, check the show description site. I'll have different links. Would love to hear what uh, some of your comments about this show. Would love to get your comments or have you check out some of my work on my YouTube channel. You can go to KenCalcaterra.com, and that is the hub for everything Ken Calcaterra. So, uh, yeah, check out all my social media through there. and just it, it's, it's just a good time. I really enjoy this podcast. I enjoy bringing people like... Uh, Connor and his band to you, uh, you know, Ryan gone. We talk about him in this and, you know, he's another guest. Um, just, I have that connection with all the people that I, I put on this show and that's an important thing for me. That's what I want conversations with Calcaterra to be all about. Thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, I hope that you're able to establish a connection with, with me as well as the people that I'm bringing to you. We had a little bit of this song with on the last episode, the crossover episode with Rock Paper Podcast and Shane Presley, and uh, Connor just wanted to play a little more of that as we as we went into it. You know, it's his newest single, so happy to help him promote that. Go check the video out. They just hit, uh, I think they just hit twenty thousand views, and uh, you know, for an indie band, that's huge. And uh, he could use use a few more. It's really helpful, and it allows him to uh, continue to keep putting out great, meaningful work and really mindful songs. So once again, thank you for listening to Conversation with Calcaterra. Here is Next Door to the Moon, and their a uh, little bit of their single "Can't Quit It."
honor. I've, I've been really enjoying your music, and I'm, uh, I thank you so much for reaching out um, after hearing the episode with Ryan. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I, I heard that episode, and I thought um, it was really, really cool, and I really, I very much enjoyed it, so I, I felt inclined to reach out. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, it, it's just cool for me. I enjoy hearing new music and just hearing what an artist has to say, and I think that's the, the big thing with any sort of art form is is what do you really have to say with this and uh i think there's a lot of underlying themes and just cool messages in your music um one thing from you know a listening standpoint or from like some ear candy so your song uh, another broken heart which i started the show with um i just did you play the keys on that because i just thought that piano with the heavy guitars was just such a nice uh, juxtaposition uh, yes i did play the keys on that uh i actually played um, that was off of our first ever release. Uh, the, the EP was called Invincible. I've actually played everything on that. That was the the recordings um, off of that EP kind of came to be before Next Door to the Moon was really a, a thing. Uh, and so I didn't have a band at the time. All I had was a collection of songs that I had written between the age of 15 and 18 and so I just kind of wanted to jump into the studio and 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 get it recorded and then from there I was like okay this is actually kind of cool I want to build a band around this so that's that's kind of how Next Door to the Moon started and um, I guess the short answer to your question is yes I played the keys <laughs> all right on so a, a nice Dave Grohl moment there starting out playing uh, you played played everything on there so very cool and, and then how did you go about how did you meet the uh, members of your band how did that form uh, well the band um, as it is now it's a duo it's it's Jacob and myself and I met Jacob in 2015 he had reached out um, to me and we set up a jam session and um, it, it, I just knew right away I just knew this, the second we jumped into a room and started playing together that uh, we had musical chemistry, and it was really cool. Uh, we've gone through a few different bass players, but um, the band is just kind of us. You know, it's really um, we we co-wrote this new EP together, and um, uh, when we play live, of course, it's a different story. We, we play as a four-piece now. We played as a trio for a while, but um, we're a four-piece when we play live, but the band itself is just the two of us, just Jacob and I, and um, we've been playing together for about two years now. Right on. Yeah, another band, a guy that I'm friends with in Nashville who has family out in L.A., a guy named Jimmy Allen. At one point, he's he's doing the country thing now, but at one point he had a band called Color of London, which just amazing sound, really really dug what those guys were doing and uh it, same thing two guys were the core of the band and then they would uh they would hire a bunch of touring musicians when they went out on the road so it was just yeah totally. it, was, it was a cool vibe that they had so it seems like that's uh maybe a more common thing in this day and age especially if you can't find the right members that you're really clicking with sure yeah i mean i think duos are becoming more and more common i mean there's there's the chain smokers and 21 pilots and White stripes um, back in the day. Yeah, there's all there's all kinds. I mean, Steely Dan. Uh, True. So, I mean, it's been it's been uh, it's been an ongoing thing. But I think it's um I think even right now, I think especially right now, actually, it's pretty relevant. Right so. on, right on, man. Yeah, and, and who are uh, I mean, how do you describe your sound to uh, to new listeners? 
Oh, that's a tough question because it it's ever evolving. Um, I kind of have to take it from EP to EP. Uh, the first the first release we had more pop rock, kind of influenced by early two thousands uh, pop punk and some alternative rock. Um, whereas this new release is. It incorporates more electronic elements. It still blends um, a good amount of rock into it. So I guess it's kind of like a blend of like pop, rock, alternative. Um, I guess if I had to spit off some bands, it's like, I guess if Blink-182, the 1975, and who else? Need to think of one more. Uh, I'll just say if if Blink One Eighty Two and and the nineteen seventy five had a baby, I guess that's probably the yeah, best way right to on describe I... it right now. I mean, it's there's it it really kind of it really kind of varies. There's some elements of uh, Fall Out Boy in there as well. We I was I was listening to them quite a bit when um, we wrote a couple of those songs. Nice and some um, of the some of the heavy guitars remind me a little bit of, of some early Jimmy World. Uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely that's definitely an inspiration for sure. Love that band. Um, yeah. So what? Who who are, are are those bands that influence you that you you listen to a lot growing up, or who who would be your maybe top three bands that you that you loved listening to all, all these years and still maybe do? I mean, my favorite band of all time is the Beatles. Uh, I, I mean, I don't believe that will ever change. Um, they they've They've been with me my whole my whole life growing up. That's the first music I was ever really exposed to. Um, so they're they've kind of been uh, engraved into my heart and soul. Um, but like, uh, I guess like if I had to pick three or so modern bands, I'd say the 1975 uh, is amazing. Um, there's this band out of England called Busted, who I love. I love their old stuff, and they just came out with a new album called Night Driver, and it's absolutely stellar. It's got kind of like an 80s influence. Um, I I love them. Uh, I love uh, another band from England called McFly, and they're really good. Um, who else? I've been digging this band called The Main, uh, especially their last two records. They just released one recently and then there's another one called i think american candy that came out a couple years ago that's really good um yeah i mean i'm into i'm into everything i, I like all kinds of stuff i love classic rock too yeah who what what's what's one of your favorite classic rock bands a couple of them. uh i mean uh rush i oh, love yeah. rush yeah definitely yeah, you would you you'd never you would never guess from from the music that next door to the moon plays but uh, Rush is one of my biggest influences of all time. Um, I love Led Zeppelin. Uh, Boston, that first Boston album is incredible. <laughs> yes, I, no doubt. Actually, I just saw Boston uh, a couple nights ago in Santa Barbara. They were phenomenal. Right on. I, that's so a band I, I have yet to see. Yeah, it was it was really good. Tom Scholl's the guitar player. He's, he's a genius. I mean, he wrote all those songs, but he also... Um, if I if I have the facts correctly, he built the recording equipment for that first album, and I think that that whole thing was recorded in his basement. That's amazing. 
especially in that day, day and age. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that's he's a, he's a genius. I'm gonna have to look that up. That's cool. Now, yeah, yeah. Def, definitely haven't listened to that that album in a while, so I'm gonna have to pull that out and spin that. Oh yeah, uh, and it's I'm still I'm still one. I like to have something physical. I'm not, um, you know, I didn't get into LPs and, and getting back on that uh, sure. or, or getting into that now. I mean, thirty bucks an album's a little too much at this point. Um, right, but. Uh, yeah, I still like to like to spin something as far as album form, you know, from start to finish, and to see what oh, the absolutely. artist created. So that to me is is like taking a journey, you know, that mm-hmm. musical journey there. So I, I, I definitely dig doing that. Yeah, absolutely. What to, yeah, I mean, I how do, how do you typically, uh, you know, what's your method of of uh, delivery for music? Do you you listen to a physical copy? Or are you streaming? Uh, you know, how do you go about doing that these days? Oh, I mostly stream. I'm an avid music listener, um, and Spotify kind of gives me um, the access to just about anything I want to listen to at any given time. So I think it's really, really cool. I use Spotify. Um, I've heard Apple Music is really good, too. I haven't actually used it yet. And then growing up, getting into music, I, I was all about iTunes back when people still downloaded music. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I'm digging Google Play. Uh, I was able mm. to take my whole collection and upload it there. So I, you know, cool. and it's great to use it on any computer. And uh, uh, you know, still like in the car, I'll still put in a disc. You know, I still like to pick up disc when I can. And uh, oh, of course, it's um, nothing like getting a, a nice CD to to play in your car. You know, that's that's kind of the classic way to do it. Definitely, and I and I dig having artwork. So you're not quite getting like that album artwork experience from an LP where. You know, sure. from, from vinyl, where you've got that just giant, giant piece of art. But uh, still, you know, it gives me a little something that, that goes along with it that's part of that experience. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Now, now, being a musician and just knowing, like, everything, I, I know a lot of music, yeah, musicians, uh, you know, all over the world and a lot of people in Nashville, a lot of songwriters in Nashville, and just looking at Spotify and how little it's paying out. I mean, what is your view? So, so we've got one view from someone who is a fan of music, but what is your thought as a musician and and like making a living with your art? Is there any any kind of conflict there? Well, people don't really buy music anymore. I mean, they do, but I mean, in order to really, I think, make a living from it, you have to have quite a few fans because while the percentage of people that buy music is low, if you have enough fans, then that, you know, that percentage winds up being a large number of people buying your music so i think in regards to downloads it depends how many fans you have um and then you can kind of calculate a ratio based on that um in regards to anything else like streaming i think um the new model uh for music and for artists and stuff is that streaming and getting your music out there in any way whatsoever the product uh which is the music has kind of turned into more of the marketing tool for the band rather than the primary source of income for artists. I mean, it's, it's used more to build awareness and you get your song out there, you get your uh, EP out there or, or LP and you use that to draw people in rather than um, putting it out there to try and sell. Uh, you use the music to get people to come to your shows, and then that's kind of how you're, or an, an artist is able to capitalize on that a little bit. Um, 
I mean, the I guess the, the ways that an artist can make money are through merch sales, through touring, uh, song placements. Um, yeah, that's a big one in this day and age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, clever ways to do it. Uh, but those are just some of the ways that an artist can make money with, with their music. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I feel like, you know, you kind of have to, uh, as an artist in 2017, you kind of have to embrace whatever comes. Um, there's definitely no going backwards. So, um, I know there's like a whole nother side of it where people say, oh, well, the, um, you know, downloads aren't happening anymore. We need to get back to people buying music, but I mean, how can you, convince a whole consumer audience to go backwards and buy music when they have access to it for free. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's definitely, stuff. definitely. Yeah. So, so I mean, not everyone is an artist, so yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, so, so looking at that, I guess it's looking, you know, this question I usually ask a little later, but what is your definition of success? My definition of success is, um, I guess just making an emotional connection to, a listener it's not necessarily um you know being on stage at staples center in front of a sold out crowd although that would be absolutely incredible but i mean the the most meaningful aspect of playing music is making an emotional connection with someone who hears your song and they say hey i relate to this in some way it could be any anything from just oh i just enjoy the hell out of listening to this and like it's something that i could drive down sunset boulevard blasting my car <laughs> nice uh to wow this is incredible this really changed my life it could range anywhere between the two it doesn't matter as long as there's some kind of emotional connection it's all about that connection yeah no doubt yeah that, that and that's what i like with this podcast as well we talked about that on the phone a few days ago just having that connection and right. with, with whether it be the art or the person or you know, there's just, just multiple levels, multiple layers. So, yeah, it's just, that's, I think, one of the cool things in life. That's just one of the fulfilling things, having those connections and those sharing those experiences. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, music is, um, along with uh, love, is probably the most powerful force in the universe. And I think it has the power to change lives, and uh, and, it, and it's great. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. And <laughs> funny thing you say that, so music and love, and I think of like 80s, kind of 80s love songs, like some of those Boston tunes. <laughs> and I, I think it just seems like that's just like Hollywood movies in the 80s, like um, and that, like Say Anything or uh, Can't Buy Me Love, those those type of fun movies, you know, any anything sure. 80s. It just seems so easy, and it just seems uh, like it's just much complicated, uh, much more complicated in real life. So I kind of kind of always joke about how I or you know in my mind how those you know 80s love songs kind of kind of ruined it for me because it's not really realistic <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, yeah yeah I feel that for sure but fun nonetheless you know it's a great vibe and it's just a great feeling uh from those songs um sure so your your current single that you just put a music video out for we I played a clip of that with the uh during the show with Shane Presley of Rock Paper Podcast and uh and played a little bit here today what uh you, you know when did you release that single uh well we released it in uh in april of this year so it was only a couple months ago actually and it's, it's doing well from uh, the video i think you have 
last I checked a few days ago, I think it was like 17,000 views and maybe more now. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, it's it's creeping up to 20,000, I think. Um, it may still be at, in the 17,000 range. I haven't actually checked in That's fantastic. That's fantastic to get that, uh, I, I mean, for an indie band uh, without that, um, I guess, the broad name recognition that's a that's a pretty pretty great achievement yeah i mean we're thrilled with it um it's it's definitely it's definitely really cool when um when a lot of people are able to connect with your stuff and it was the first song that that the band had released since uh the invincible ep which was a few years ago now so we didn't really know what was going to happen we know that we had um some people out there who were digging that that first record and it's definitely i mean the the song itself is um the first uh one of the first songs that i've ever had a part in writing where it was uh really meaningful you know and um and it was more ambitious than anything we've done before right on what did you do what did you do to market the video anything anything special well it all starts with everything being uh, top-notch quality. So it took a while. To, we went into the studio last year to do it. I mean, in regards to marketing, it's pretty much just, it starts with, it, it's, it starts with putting something out there that's, that's really high quality. We didn't want to shortcut anything. We did, uh, I mean, we went into a studio in Nashville with um, Will from Cartel who produced the song and, and he gave us just, you know, the best, the best recording we could possibly get. And then we did, um, the music video we did was, was also, you know, top notch in my opinion. We had an, an amazing director, Will DeRosa, um, and, and we put a storyline to it. Everything was crafted very carefully. Um, and we did, we didn't, we didn't shortcut anything. And when we put it out there, we already had a pretty decent following on Instagram. So we, we knew that it was going to get, um, seen and heard. Um, so it was just kind of posting on social media, spreading it around and just kind of seeing what happens. Very cool. And that's, that's one thing that when you reached out, you sent the link and I, you asked for some feedback and overall it, I mean, top notch video. I thought the, the blend of story elements with performance was a good blend. Uh, mm -hmm. you had, you had enough story elements to get to tell, tell the story and, uh, without overdoing it and it just everything. The images look great. I thought your your performance in it, both uh, you know, both uh, you know, as a musician, as an and as an actor, you know, worked out pretty well. And uh, you know, and it was a nice uh, nice twist. You know, I I like things, especially short form work. I think you for it to really be compelling and uh, something that really captivates the viewer and leaves them with that oh my, you know, wow type. Uh, you know type response to it you know when they finish watching is definitely having a nice twist and yeah i think you you did that so i was i wasn't expecting it which was really cool oh well thank you very much um yeah um we're definitely about all about um staying out of the comfort zone uh with everything that we're doing now uh we don't want to do anything typical of um like an ordinary music video, that kind of thing. We want to make sure that there's, it's meaningful. Um, and, uh, 
And that was that twist in the can't quit it video is one of the first things that kind of triggered that, um, that idea of, okay, like, let's, let's, let's take this here, you know, like, let's, let's do this, you know, like, let's have a darker themed video. And then at the end, there is that, that twist that kind of turns things around a little bit. Uh, and, and yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. And I, I love making music videos too. That's one of my favorite parts about being in a band. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a fun process. Uh, what, did you uh, did you guys shoot that video in L.A.? Yes, we did. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure if uh, I mean it looked like L.A., but not sure if uh, when you were recording in Nashville, if you know you kind of kind of combine those two things. How how did you enjoy Nashville? Oh, it was uh, one of the funnest experiences of my life. Uh, Jacob had a ball too. It was just it was totally fun. Yeah, it's a great city. Uh, it's uh, kind of like a second home for me. Uh, a good buddy of mine, he was a, a previous guest uh, named Chris Blair. He uh, he has a club there, a venue called the Listening Room Cafe for singer-songwriters. Yeah, it's just an amazing yeah. venue. And uh, sometime, you know, if you get back there, you have to let me know. I'm only four hours away and, and uh, would love to go hang out. Always, always don't really need an excuse to get to, to Nashville, but it's nice to have a reason. Uh, and always great to see friends in there uh, in that town. So, oh, ab- absolutely absolutely yeah we'll definitely be out there soon very cool and how do you go about what's your process as far as collaborating with uh with the directors and photographers and, and other creatives that are in different mediums um well we're pretty closely involved with everything um but we're extremely open-minded um and uh i mean it's kind of a difficult question to answer, believe it or not, because I mean, we, we just work well together with, with the people that we've chosen to work with. So there hasn't really been like, can you elaborate a little bit? Just like what, I guess what's the process? Do you have a story, um, a story in mind or do you let them interpret the song or let them? Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, usually there will be a skeleton of an idea, uh, and even, possibly some scenes kind of hashed out a little bit or a general idea. Um, this is in regards to a music video. And then um, when we work with a director, in this case, Will, um, he uh, he kind of brings it to life. He takes it and he goes, oh, got it. Okay, so we can do this, this, and this. And then we can have this scene, which will affect how this scene turns out. And it kind of goes like that. And then we just uh, bounce ideas back and forth until we come up with something that we're all happy with. So it's really good to have that extra person there who can kind of look at it from an objective point of view. Um, for music videos, Will uh, was that person. Um, in Nashville, uh, we worked with another Will, uh, Will Pugh from the band Cartel, an unbelievable producer, singer, songwriter. Uh, Cartel's an amazing band. It was an honor to work with him. Um, same kind of deal. I mean, uh, we had songs already written, um, but when we went out there to record, he was able to kind of uh, be that person in the room to tell us, oh, no, you have to redo that take. It wasn't quite there, you know? And it's really helpful to have that uh, because if it's just the two of us, if it's just Jacob and I, then um, we're so in the mix that we're not able to see it from an objective point of view. So I think it's really important that um, to, to have that extra component there. Yeah. It's always good to have somebody you're, you get, uh, you know, any artist becomes so close to their work 
and it's hard to see that in that objective point of view and and uh, there's it's good to you definitely have fresh eyes upon it and uh, you know hopefully somebody that uh, th- that just has that level of experience that has seen different things and heard different things and can push you guys because uh, sometimes it gets it it's difficult to push ourselves to that next level yeah right? absolutely um, yeah I mean I've heard stories where uh, bands and producers disagree with each other often but a lot of the times the uh, if that's the case um, the the producer kind of plays uh, that necessary evil in, in a sense you know because bands don't bands sometimes get what's called uh, demoitis which means that they get so used to how a song is already that when they take it in to have it recorded and they have a producer there who says, well, maybe you should change this part. The band is already so married to what they had created previously that um, they're unable to kind of open up their minds to um, any new ideas. That happens sometimes, um, but luckily for for me and for Jacob, I mean, we had no problem working with either will (laughs) we've worked with two wills so far um and uh we're we're open-minded and and we're all about getting uh walking away with the best quality um product as it were so um but yeah no working with the producer or a director anyone it's it's a great experience and it's really helpful to have that objective point of view yeah right on and then looking at it when when did you write your first song you say you you, t- you told me you were like fifteen to eighteen. Some of the songs from the first EP, but but what 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 got you into songwriting? Was, is this something your parents did? Um, well, uh, my first song was written when I was eleven in uh, elementary school uh, with with one of my best friends, Liam. Uh, we started this band called uh, Cold Vein, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> our first ever song was called radio disgrace and um yeah it uh it never got past the pre-production stage uh <laughs> it was uh very interesting stuff let's just put it that way <laughs> is it something um, that one day will leak out there when uh when you're famous somebody will say hey here's here's that song you know, we actually, we never recorded that one. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, just imagine like a very loud and obnoxious punk rock song. Gotcha. Uh, uh, I mean, we were 11, so like we hadn't even gone through puberty or anything. So like our voices were just super high pitched. It's like 11, 11 year old <laughs> screaming punk rock, leaping <laughs> off key. Um, we didn't even, we barely knew how to play guitar. It was like, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, it's like Wild Stallions. It was like that. <laughs> Within a year of Liam and I playing together, uh, we actually got better. Like, we improved a lot. And, uh, like, our school, we went We went to kind of like a small school with only um, a handful of people. And we would take a lot of field trips and stuff. And, like, we would go to the beach and uh, and go on hikes and stuff. And we would just kind of, like, stay away from like the main group of people and we would just have our notepad and we would just write lyrics and um and it it was kind of a school that sheltered uh the kids from any kind of like modern music or anything or any kind of music that had explicit content they were like completely against it and so we would uh so outside of school we would uh 
we would listen to all the music that was uh, considered not appropriate for uh, for that school setting. The teachers, it, like it was actually like kind of against policy for kids to listen to um, whatever music they wanted. Like it, like it wasn't uh, it wasn't accepted into like the curriculum or, or anything like that. Like the um, the teachers wouldn't allow it, and to the point where like. Um, um, my mom actually got like an email from the teacher saying like, uh, please like don't allow your son to listen to Green Day or, um, or anything like that. Like it, like in a nutshell, it was like, he's corrupting the other students <laughs> like with it, with this music. And that was like, it was, my mom saved the email. Like she, she printed it out because she thinks it's so awesome. You know, it's like, that's like, that's like one of the first, um, moments of my life where I was like, oh, this is like, it pisses people off that, I, that it, it was like that rock and roll thing. And it was so cool. Like <laughs> I love, I love the fact that the teachers hated it. So it just fueled the fire. Very for cool. Me. Very cool. And then, uh, and then go ahead. Uh, your, 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 your second, your second question was, um, was if my family was, uh, played music at all. And the answer is, uh, Yes, my cousin is a drummer. Um, he plays in all kinds of bands. He's toured with uh, Snow Patrol and Sweethead. Uh, Sweethead is the is the band that he's in, um, and with that band, he's toured with all kinds of people. And he's open for them, Crooked Vultures. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah. Right um, on. Yeah, and he actually mixed um, the first uh, the first EP that Next Door to the Moon did. Uh, his name's Norm Block. Um, great engineer and phenomenal drummer. Um, and then I, my other cousin, Joel plays guitar and he's a great songwriter. And then, uh, my dad actually, uh, my dad, uh, played guitar and, and he actually showed me my first few chords and stuff. And when he was in a band in the sixties, um, his band actually won a battle of the bands and got to open for the doors and Jefferson airplane. And it's pretty sweet. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Very cool. So, all right. Yeah. And just, just from the fact your story of your mom, saving that email right there that's that sells it yeah so your your fair definitely family was into music that was it's part of your your culture very oh, yeah very cool on that note and then uh and then also your family is we'll get back to the music business but i want to talk a little bit about your family business because i think that plays a, a big role in into who you are and i just dig what you guys are doing uh you know tell tell us about the family business Okay, so the family business is Blue Gem Sunglasses, and under that umbrella, there's a couple different lines uh, of sunglasses, but the one that I uh, work with primarily is Blue Planet Eyewear, and Blue Planet is um, is this really cool concept that was kind of, uh, I guess, uh, grown and uh, and kind of put out there by my brother Madison. Um, and the idea behind the, in a nutshell, the idea behind the company is that it's, uh, socially responsible and, uh, the products are eco-friendly. And, um, so all of the products that we have, they either incorporate, uh, recycled plastics and metals or, uh, wood there, there's glasses with bamboo temples, cork, beech wood, um, and it's all at a medium price point. So you're getting premium quality eyewear at a very good price so it's really cool and for every pair that we sell uh, one gets donated to a uh, charity organization that we work with 
we work with several different people, several different organizations. Um, the organizations that we partner with for our giving program, the Visualize Change program, are Feed the Children, Sea International, Direct Relief, and the Best Day Foundation. Um, and we've been working with them for a long time and we have a great relationship and it's because of our partnership that we're able to um, help people all around the world with uh, restoring sight and it's really it's really kind of a great thing. That's fantastic. I'm gonna, I'll have to connect you with Coco Vinny. So I met uh, Coco Vinny when I was in LA at a, at a gallery opening and just a cool dude. He uh, have a podcast with him, so that would be a good one to check out. But, you know, he's down there in L.A. and just uh, spreading that cocoa love. You know, he has uh, he these fresh tap coconuts. You're getting it, you know, right right from the, uh, you know, right right from the, I can't even think, the original packaging. So, yeah, none of the plastic packaging. So, yeah, that's, uh, I'll, I'll send, you, uh, send you a note with his information or try to connect you guys. But um, what, that would what is, be awesome. Thank yeah, you. he's just a good cat. So yeah, try to. I'd like to connect. You know, really cool people, and you know, see what happens there. Um, but yeah, totally. maybe, maybe there's a crossover with with the businesses or something along those lines. But um, so, so what is your role? What do you, what part do you play in the family business? So my primary role at the family business is uh, running the brand ambassador program. Um, that definitely takes up most of my time. Um, in regards to Blue Planet Eyewear, but um, I've also directed the last couple videos that we've put out, um, which is a really cool experience, and um, and I think it's it's kind of really cool, a good visual representation of what the company is all about. Um, and we have a couple more videos along or on the way as well, so um, definitely very excited about that. Um, and I also handle a lot of the collaborations and the blog inquiries and stuff, and I kind of try and um, dial a lot of that in very cool and, and what do you feel the role of a video for a, a for a smaller business even bigger business you know what role does video play in connecting with uh, with customers i think it's huge because i think that in this modern day i think that people's um attention spans have uh shortened and i think that uh, less people actually like to read a description. I think that they'd rather watch it. I think we're in the age of media um, and it's all about uh, photo and video content. So I think it's really important for a small business, especially like ourselves to have um, kind of like a, a short to the point video that just kind of uh, is an introduction statement to who we are and what we're all about. And I think it's very effective and we've gotten some great feedback on it. And I think in general, um, it's really important for small businesses to use, utilize the video function and um, and also photos too. Photos are really important as well. Um, but yeah, to do videos, I think is is really uh, impactful. And I think that you uh, com- companies and um, and others have have a really great opportunity to uh, to better pitch their business. And definitely, I think also you can really connect uh, on on that level with with the story because every you know everyone really has a great story, and sure. and I think you find those stories to be you know people more. Uh, I think they can relate to those stories more when it's from a small business versus a big corporation uh, because you have people like themselves that uh, you know not everybody is recycling material for their sure. products. Um, you know, looking at at what we're seeing with plastics and things in the ocean, 
um, and and just looking how some some of our resources are becoming more scarce. You know, it's really cool to see that you guys are doing that and to really. I, th- I think with, with video, because that culmination of sound and, and music and, you know, everything that you can put into that and you really see into people's eyes, uh, you know whether they're pure or not, you know, their energy behind it. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, yeah, if, if if you're that passionate about what you do, then, yeah, the video is the best way to go because then your customers are going to feel that passion and then they're going to want to jump on board. So, yeah, right on, man. Totally. Yeah, we're on totally. the, we're on the same same level there, and I, I think the same goes with anything. So you know, jumping back to the music business, uh, you know, that's kind of the same connection there. How has your experience with uh, with what you've learned working with Blue Planet, you know, how has that? How do you incorporate that into promoting the band or um, you know getting that exposure? What is you know the role of social media that you've learned from Blue Planet? How do you utilize that uh, in regards to your music? Um, wow, that is a very good question. Um, I guess connecting with, uh, the audience, uh, responding to comments and returning messages and all of that stuff. I I think with, um, working with Blue Planet and I, um, I also check that Instagram pretty frequently. Um, uh, it, I think it really makes a world of difference to really care about, um, your customers and likewise with the band, your fans, uh, it's, it means the world. And so, um, to make that connection is really what's going to build your, your audience up. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a very, it's a, it, the, that question requires a lot of a detailed answer. So I don't want to go too far into it, but yeah, I guess it just further, um, builds upon the idea that, um, a brand or a band should connect as much as they can with their followers and their and their fans, and um, and it'll grow naturally that way by word of mouth and and otherwise. Yeah, right on, right on. And I I think your earlier answer as well, putting out the highest quality material that you can, because I, I find there's a lot of clutter out there these days yeah. because it is so um, every you know technology is so accessible. So mm-hmm. therefore, anybody can put something out, and you know people should definitely communicate and definitely work to expand themselves as as people, as artists. Uh, but at some point, it's like the, you know the saying goes: the cream will always rise to the top. So I think oh, you know absolutely. when we talk about um, you know just advice for other bands, because it seems like just like uh, Ryan and and yourself and I try to do it is give people people advice who are starting out and Shane Presley did so for for myself so I can't thank him enough but looking at that eventually yeah you'll you know that's how you do it long enough and you keep upping your game you know just incrementally then you know that's how I, I think success unfolds so yeah sure. right on man that's cool and then um we talked about it at one point I mean a lot of a lot of bands are doing this and you guys have a few uh covering songs and then putting those on YouTube and in social media just to, sure. uh, I guess, use that those search engines uh, for your band to pop up. And then so the audience has a little more exposure. Could you, you know, tell tell uh, people out there, you know, who are looking to, to build up their, their brand, you know, how you guys go about doing that? Well, with the cover song videos, we were doing that um, quite a bit last year. We released um, a handful of cover song videos, and I think it's... Um, 
definitely a good avenue to go for an independent band. Um, because what happens is from there, the people that are searching that song, if they come across your cover song video, then um, you have an opportunity to kind of pull them in and get them to listen to your original music, uh, which is the main goal, obviously. Um, I mean, not that there aren't people that have a full on career off of playing cover songs. Um, people build careers off of YouTube cover songs, but it's a great way to um, grab those people bring them in and expose them to your original music. And, um, and that's really what it's all about. And you can meet like a lot of potential fans that way too, who are really cool. Um, uh, we've, we've actually gained a lot of fans from doing the cover song videos and then they've, uh, followed us on our social media and have connected with us that way. And they've checked out our original music. And so to make that crossover, I think is really cool. So the cover song videos definitely help with that. It's, um, uh, definitely something I would recommend to an independent band, but it needs to be really good quality too. It can't be, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I do say, uh, content is better than no content, but I would, uh, pitch for as high quality as you can possibly go. Um, so that way, um, I think, I think the higher the quality, I think the more, uh, the more views you get, kind of the more people will will give it a chance definitely definitely and looking at you know one book to check out you might uh might be good for you as well but an artist friend of mine turned me on to it it's called content incorporated so, oh sweet so it'd be worth checking out and uh you know anybody that's looking into how creating content uh, you know helps you build a business that's a that's a good resource for that um you know also you know w one of the things i think in this day and age is diversification so wearing many hats and you're one that's doing that what uh, what are some of the hats you're wearing to you know allow you to to make a living in this day and age oh man well i mean um or just besides to up, next up your door, game as an artist besides next door to the moon and blue planet eyewear i mean i produce uh bands i'm working with uh one band right now called alone together they're an orange county based band um that's really cool. That's a definitely, um, in regards to music, it definitely puts me at an alternate perspective, which is something that I never thought I would have. Instead of being in the band, I'm kind of looking at a band from an outside point of view. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I also do some uh, mixing and engineering here and there. Um, I uh, do some marketing for small businesses. Uh, kind of throughout the Santa Barbara area, Ventura area, LA area. Um, I, I mean, mostly it's just um, my my main two things are next door to the moon and blue planet eyewear. But I do have some things on, on the side that I do. Those are some of them. Right on. So you feel that keeps you sharp, uh, you know, just keeps, keep uh, progressing. You know, it's like exercising. You think that that improves doing, like producing, improves yourself as an artist as well? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's really to it's actually kind of humbling in a way to be able to step away from being so far into the mix and kind of um kind of work with someone else and I actually I co-write with this band as well. Um and we we co-wrote the single off of their latest release and uh it's really interesting to do that and and to um 
you know, like, it's not like I'm writing it for, for like my own band or anything. It's like for someone else. So like, it's really, it's kind of fun to see someone else bring that to life nice. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the title of that song? It's called show me, show me. I'm going to play a yeah. clip of that now. to so give the audience an idea of how that relates to some of your music and, and what they're doing with that. Cool. fun song digging it man yeah this is the work you do has that just that great energy um it seems yeah, thank it you. seems to put the through so speaking of energy so we met through you know once i started it out we were talking about uh ryan so ryan gone who uh a couple episodes ago talked to him what uh how did you meet ryan i met ryan at the taxi rally actually in uh i think it was october in la oh this current taxi rally yeah, this last one. Oh, that, yeah, that I w- that's um, where I met him as well. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, we did this set, or he did this um, seminar kind of deal, um, and I happened to be there, and uh, it was just kind of fun to hear him talk about the music business and stuff. And it was like I was like totally captivated by it, and we connected via social media after that, and like we didn't really communicate so much, but he had. Um, he had posted something on Facebook saying that he was looking for a place to stay while he uh, made a transition from uh, Philadelphia up to LA. And uh, I was, I was like, you know, I, I like this guy a lot. Like he was (laughs) really cool. Like, um, and I'm sure he would be uh, totally fine to like stay at, stay at my house. So like, I just, I reached out to him and I said, dude, if you need a place to to stay, uh, feel free. Like you can, and he gave me like a list of dates that he was going to be there for and uh and yeah it just worked out and then from there he stayed uh he kind of stayed the rest of the time until he moved back to philadelphia which was just this past month so it was really it was really kind of cool and uh yeah ryan is awesome he's one of those guys i think he's like you meet him and it's that connections there and it's almost like he's that instant friend uh he just oh yeah yeah i mean you can definitely get that vibe he uh yeah, there's, there's no, like, there was definitely no, like, initial awkwardness or anything. Sometimes when you, like, meet someone who's, you know, kind of a brand new person to you, like, there's kind of that initial, like, well, I don't really know this person so well. But we hit it off immediately because we're both musicians, and I think we just had stuff to talk about right away. And so it was, uh, he, he was a good roommate. It was a good fit, and uh, he's just, he's awesome. Yeah, and he, 
you want to talk about someone wearing so many hats. No doubt. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Wearing a ton, and I'm, yeah. I'm, did you see him? At, I mean, he he works so much. His schedule oh, yeah. is just a maniac schedule. That did you? How often did you see him? He would most of the time only really come back to the house at, late at night. Um, so I didn't really get to see him all that much, actually. But we did. There were times when we got to hang out a bit. Um, but yeah, that that dude is like the definition of hustle. <laughs> it's really cool to see. It's actually really inspiring too, because I couldn't believe that he was flying back and forth from LA to Philadelphia. Uh, I thought that that was that blew my mind. Like on just like a regular basis to like be in Philly one week and then LA the next, and like have teaching jobs and then work at different. Uh, I mean, he, like music lessons, private lessons, and then go and teach at schools, and then he would. I, oh, he worked at the Roxy. Yeah, all these different things. Yeah, he'd jump on a plane day, for a couple days. Day, yeah, for the weekend, and uh, then come back and do a car a day or two to teach yeah. a student. And yeah, he's he's a cool guy. What did did he? Uh, did you learn anything from him, or did he give you any advice that uh, will help you? You know, throughout your career. Um, well, more so, just seeing his hustle is is probably the most inspiring thing. Um. It's not often when you see a musician that that works that hard, so that inspired me a lot. Yeah, just it it was uh it was really cool to see and like he'd stay up late and he would just send emails like all night to try and promote his his newest record. It was really cool because a lot of bands they just kind of don't do that, you know. So. Yeah, I, yeah, man. Just thinking about Ryan, I need to step up my game. You know, he gives definitely that inspiration, <laughs> and he's a great example. But uh, yeah, good dude. Uh, so also, also very. He, the, another thing that um, is very inspiring about him is how much he cares about um, about the fans and the people that connect with his music. I think that's also really inspiring because bands should definitely do that more. Care about their audience. Yeah, definitely. He he mentioned that in the podcast when we were talking. So yeah, and just how how much he cares about the students that he's working with at school. So just, uh, yeah, that dude's an original, he, great guy. Uh, so talking about when we talk about wearing many hats, um, you know, one of the other hats that you're wearing that, uh, you know, something I think makes it, you know, a more difficult balancing act. You're also uh, the father of a, of a three-year-old. How, how does that fit into the whole mix? Yeah. Um, Kelsey, she's almost three. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, how does it fit in the mix? It just, it just does, uh, it's really more like the mix fits around her right on yeah that's a good good um, answer there yeah um but yeah no i mean that's that's an amazing experience to be a father and it it inspires and affects everything i do and um and it's pushed me to be a better person it's pushed me to uh work harder um and i love the mindset that it's kind of uh given me because um um, I don't know. It j- just does something to you where you uh, kind of s- stop thinking so much about yourself and um, things that may have been important before are not as important anymore. So it's helpful. It, like it really gives you a clear picture of what is important and what's not and what needs to be focused on just in general, in life in general. So it's really kind of nice to have um, to have that kind of mindset 
and uh, it's very humbling, and it's um, it's difficult at times. She's almost three, so uh, um, there there is that. But it, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It's it's the best thing ever. Yeah, she's getting to that age where she's starting to. I'm sure three is a time where they really start developing their personality, which oh, is yeah. really yeah. exciting. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I don't have kids myself, but just see with my niece and nephew, I've experienced that. So it's it. Yeah, it's a really really cool thing. And then yeah, it's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. How has how has that experience your art influenced your art? How has she inspired your art? Hmm. Let me think about that for a second, actually, because it's um, it's not really something I can directly pinpoint. Um, but I think just overall, um, having the material be more meaningful and personal, I think that's something that um, kind of started happening more and more. Um, and um, and yeah, I, I would have to say that's probably the main thing is that. Um, I think she's inspired me to not be afraid to uh, to be more ambitious uh, with my art and my music in a way. Um, specifically, it's hard to pinpoint something exactly, but um, I guess that's that's it. That's what I've noticed. That's cool. You know, um, that's 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 huge. Yeah, definitely huge. Um, and then she has an interest in music, correct? Oh yeah, she's obsessed with music. It's great. It's 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 um, <laughs> it's really uh, incredible to see. Uh, now we're doing children's songs when we when we have our little jam sessions, obviously. But but she'll totally sing uh, "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" on key, in time, with like with nuances too. Like she's like a little Beyonce or something. Like <laughs> like into it. Like she has a dance routine. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's it's so cool. It's so cool to watch. That's incredible. Yeah, you have to put out some videos there. You know, for uh, did, did she did she listen to any of your music? How does she like your music? <laughs> yeah, she uh, yeah she's really uh, she's really interested in it, um, and she does she does like it. I think she's only really um, we've been playing "Can't Quit It" around the house because it's kind of the newest thing. Uh huh. You know, and. Uh, she knows she recognizes it by daddy's song. So like if <laughs> it comes great. on if, if it comes on, she'll be like, Oh, that's daddy's song, daddy's song. So it's really it's really cute. What and, a uh, moment. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, she she gets really excited by it like when she sees um like the music video and she sees like the uh um we're working on uh, on a new music video and uh we've gotten some of the rough cuts back and she sees it and she's just like she can't believe like I'm on a screen. Like she just thinks it's like, like she sees SpongeBob SquarePants on a screen and that's mm -hmm. like her God, you know? And so like to see like uh, me on a screen, I think it's like, it's very like interesting for her. I don't know if she understands it completely. Um, but think, uh, yeah. It, it's, it, yeah, it, it's very, uh, it's, it's a very interesting thing, but it's really, really cool. Well, I think in our culture, even for older people, when you see somebody on a screen, it has like a, a different value. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. That that's what I was trying to say with like the SpongeBob SquarePants thing. Is she she sees SpongeBob on TV, and now to see me on a screen too? Uh, like, I think it. I don't know if it confuses her or like she's definitely interested in it. But it's um, it's kind of odd it's because it. it's, it's like it. how are how are they there when they're here, and it's still that yeah, understanding yeah. and. 
this technology and all that cool, you know, those cool yeah. things. Um, yeah. Are you familiar with a band called the Verve Pipe? They were, uh, you know, yeah. kind of big in the 90s, this guy Brian yeah, Vanderark. Yeah. He has, they recorded an album, I think it was maybe 2012, that is uh, some original children's songs, which, oh, which cool. are a lot of fun. So that may be something, I don't, it's probably streaming. So check mm-hmm. that out. That might be something to oh, introduce totally. her to. Just a really fun project that they all put together is they all had kids and it was mm-hmm. like, you know, something they created uh, for their kids and for the, you know, the kids of their fans. So definitely that's something worth worth checking out. And I've always, I've always Absolutely. admired Brian Vander Ark. So, you know, he's somebody yeah. that at some point would be, he'd be fun to talk to. Um, oh, totally. That, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, looking at, uh, so we've talked about, uh, I mean, did you have like, who were your musical heroes growing up? Was there any like one musician where you said, I want to be like that guy? Was it Billy Joe Armstrong or who, who, yeah, who would that person? Actually, that was very good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was Billy Joe. All right. It's good when I make first... that assumption and, uh, yeah, yeah. get it right. Ching. That was, that was the first one. I mean, so the first band that got me into music was Green Day. Um, and in that school I, I mentioned earlier where it was just kind of a small group of, of kids, um, we somehow gained access to the American Idiot album. And of course, Billy Joe says fuck in it and stuff. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. On you can say it. You can say it. We, but we went from being clean to explicit in that one moment. <laughs> huh. No, it's all Pretty good. Much. Um, but he, uh, we were playing the song. We just thought it was, uh, it was so cool that like someone was cursing in their songs. But then like, that was like kind of like the lead, like as a kid, like, hearing like an artist curse in their song like it's this weird thing where like that somehow like made us like it yeah but then yeah. i got but then i got into it like i started like actually listening and caring about the music and stuff and then i was just i was just like so blown away by it and then i started watching their music videos and then what really did it for me well actually that's that that was enough for me to want to pick up a guitar and kind of try and learn some chords and stuff but the thing that really did it for me was um when my dad had shown me, uh, he had shown me like the first few chords to Boulevard of Broken Dreams, the Green, the Green Day song. Yeah, it's a great, and, uh, great song. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, he called me in uh, while well, we were all eating lunch or something in our kitchen, and then he said, "Hey, can you go get your guitar and uh, and bring it in here and play Boulevard of Broken Dreams? I want to see where you're at with it." Um, and so I went in there, and there were four Green Day tickets in the guitar. Oh, right uh, on. And so we all went to the concert that night. It was that night um, in LA at the Home Depot Center, and it changed my entire life. It was the, I mean, to date, I have to say, oh man, perhaps the best concert I've ever been to. For it to actually change my life, I mean, that says something right there. But like, it was, uh, I just didn't know that a band could do that. Yeah, and then also talking about we talk about the storytelling and those you know those couple albums where the you know these great rock operas, and so uh-huh. it was you know the whole thing with the concept album was a whole story. It was sure. you know it okay. was uh, you know his um, uh, you, you know him making a statement on on just the current state of politics and war and just you, you know all those things of that nature you know digging into a little bit of a police state. So, yeah. I mean, to really make that kind of statement and and use art to do it, I mean, that's what art always really has been, telling those stories, whether it's used as propaganda or, 
you know, for the other side. So it's, uh, I mean, it's really interesting when somebody does that and has that kind of passion for it. So, yeah, that's when I really kind of started following Green Day and thought, wow, this guy's this guy's a genius in what he does. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love that they uh, they aren't afraid to say what's on their mind. Yeah, and are you much of a are you as far as um, just looking at the world? Are you much of a reader at all, or primarily? And where where do you get most of your information? I get a lot of my news from social media, which is uh, perhaps uh, while the most convenient way to access news, probably one of the worst ways to get it. Although I've learned uh, the the best sources of getting the news from too, so. Um, yes, I am. A, uh, I do check the news daily, uh, but through social media. Um, gotcha. Reuters is a good one. BBC. Yeah. Um, you know, I try to go for like the independent ones. Definitely, you know, like the uh, go as unbiased as possible. It's really hard, you know. It's very um, hard. Yeah, there's there's uh, BBC. I think is is pretty unbiased. They're like straight to the facts. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. So so that's cool. Um, and the one question I wanted to ask you, so you had said your dad played in bands in the sixties or like yes. played with Jefferson airplane. So you're a younger guy. So there's a bit of a, a generational difference there. Uh, how was that? How was that growing up? Well, I mean, um, Hmm. I mean, it seems like my was dad, he my, a little older when, when you were born? Um, my dad was in his, uh, early forties when I was born. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, we, we didn't really listen to the same exact stuff. Uh, but we kind of did in a way too, cause he did get me into like a lot of those, a lot of those bands. He did expose me to like bands like cream. Yeah. And yeah. I can't go wrong with any and, of those. And actually the, um, the first band that, um, that we ever got into together as like a father son thing was Nirvana. He, the, when I was like three years old, he would blast Nevermind in the car. So your dad like was on a, the cassette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, it's a pretty he hip guy. Music. So he he kept up with with music. I mean, that's what I try to do because oh, yeah. at some point, yeah, if I ever have kids, it'll be definitely a, a generational gap there. Yeah, but uh, and so, I got him, I got him into Green Day too. So uh, it was kind of like a trade off. Like he would show me some of the music that he liked, and then I would show him uh, some of the newer stuff that was out. Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah. That's good for him to him to get into the newer things and and not have to really search when you're bringing it to him. So that's cool. So speak, speaking of newer things, so your next single is going to be the is situation. Uh, yes. What's the what's the vibe and the story behind that? Well, the ultimate premise of the song is um, is basically it's just kind of about if you're stuck in uh, stuck in a rut and um, being able to pull yourself out of it. Uh, that's the, in a nutshell, the premise of the song itself. It's kind of, I mean, it's, there's no specific um, storyline to just the song in general. So it can be a standalone song. That's just a general statement of, um, of kind of positivity and that anyone can overcome anything that they put their mind to. Um, uh, sonically, it's a pop rock song. It's a little different than can't quit it. Um, uh, still, it still sounds like us. Still, it sounds consistent mm -hmm. with with Can't Quit It, but it's um, a little different. Um, the music video is where it gets um, a little more powerful, though, in a sense, um, where we took on uh, 
we took on a stronger topic. It's something that we care very much about, and that is uh, the story is um, – I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, don't give too much uh, away. I don't it, like spoilers. <laughs> but uh, it basically focuses on um, a kid uh, – the, the main character in the music video is a kid who is transgender, and um, it's kind of like a storyline about how um, he accepts himself and his uh, – his parents accept him for who he is. Um, and uh, I think it fits nicely with the premise of the song. And um, I care very much about the LGBT community. And I think that it's a good, uh, I think it's a good way to, for us to do our part in, um, in kind of uh, making some noise about it. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that. I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited and, um, I think if our, our goal for the video is that if it, um, again, the song itself is just a general statement of positivity. So um, hopefully it can affect um, just about anyone who listens to it um, in some way. But, uh, you know, if, if someone from the LGBT community watches the video and it helps them to um, accept who they are um, and, perhaps make them unafraid of, of coming out, um, then that would be amazing. Whatever it can do to um, kind of, uh, I don't know how to put it exactly. And I think a lot of people can relate because huh. it's that story, you know, the theme of acceptance. And so whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, somebody in the uh, LGBT community or somebody that, uh, you know, we'd look at just anyone being different. So, yeah, that that's a great theme. And I'm really interested to see right. what you do with that you, video. You hit you hit the nail on the head. It's the, it's the word acceptance. That's what I was. Uh, that's what I was looking for, that word. Um, you know, if uh, it's about accepting yourself and um, and hopefully um impacting other people to to accept everyone else as well so um for who they are very cool now i look forward to hearing that song did you is that another one that you recorded in nashville yes okay cool and you had said that um so nashville was your first uh experience traveling as a band uh so so you guys did Um, you you bond from that or oh yeah yeah that was one of the funnest experiences of, of our lives for sure um yeah, uh, it wasn't our, I mean, it was our first out-of-state traveling experience. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I had, misunderstood done, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't I didn't clarify too much on that. We did we did do um, like a, a 24-hour trip to uh, um, Fort Bragg, which is way up north in California, and we did a show there. That was actually one of our first ever shows. Um, that was also an incredible experience. Actually, we, we bonded a lot. Jacob had just joined the band and, um, and so it was like our first, like, it was our real, like getting to know each other experience. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was so fun. Legendary trip. Nice. Nashville and another one of those types of experiences. Yeah. And are you guys, uh, with this new EP, are you planning on, uh, doing some touring? What, uh, what's your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, we're we're definitely uh, it's definitely on the uh, on the to do list. Um, we're in the process of making some arrangements to do that. Um, aiming at fall or winter, 
we want to plan it out enough in advance. Um, and uh, we, we definitely want it to uh, go over well. So we want it to, uh, we want to make sure that all the components of a good tour are, are dialed in well ahead of time. Um, but it's something we definitely want to do. And we think that we're definitely ready to tour. So right on where, where do you yeah. think you'll to how far away from California we'll get, or you keep it regionally at first and then expand or where, where do you think you're going to go ultimately? Um, I think it kind of depends. I mean, we'll probably start off, uh, a bit lightly, um, to kind of test the, the, the waters a little bit, just to kind of see where our audiences are. Um, that's always the safest bet. So we'll probably, um, start off regional and then uh, uh, work on other opportunities as they come along. It's, it's kind of up in the air right now. I mean, uh, we definitely, we know we want to do it. So, um, and eventually we want to go all over the world. So um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just kind of see what happens. Nice. Yeah. Ryan would be a good guy. I'm sure he gave you some advice on setting up a tour. If not, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. One of those things that he's really good at. So yeah, Absolutely. you're in good hands on that one. Uh, so, you know, giving advice to other musicians and to, to any band starting out, I, I guess what, if you could tell them what, what one area should, I guess they start focusing on, should they put the most time into, um, I guess not, maybe not necessarily all their focus, but, uh, you know, what area should get more of their focus when they're starting out? Their music, um, making sure that it's, um, as good as it can possibly be, um, making sure that when they go into the studio to record it, they don't shortcut anything. They make sure that it is the highest quality it can possibly be. Um, yeah, I would, I would say focus there. And then, um, and then from there, there's always ways to market the stuff, but, but it's, uh, it all starts with something good. And sometimes finances are an issue for, for bands. And I completely understand that. Um, and so it's like, even if you're only able to do a single and get into a good mm -hmm. studio and record just the one song, it's better to have the one song recorded really well, um, and produced really well than to record five songs or 10 songs and have them be subpar quality. So I would say <laughs> the most important things to focus on are the music, the, the arrangement of the song, the quality of the song itself, and then the quality of the recording. So, so at what point, because I know a lot of bands who, who have that quality, but then, uh, you know, they're kind of out of balance to the point of where the marketing is not there. So they always have the quality and it's just like, okay, we're going to record our next album. So, you know, they've proven themselves with the product and, uh, sure. and then they, they start building an audience. But as far as getting that mass audience, uh, you right. know, is there, I mean, there's no real gauge in this day and age, but in your, in your opinion, what do you think at what point? should you maybe a little more focus or should that focus shift to, uh, to marketing? So in regards to marketing, once you have the, the song in hand, um, there's all kinds of things you can do. I mean, the first thing you want to do is kind of identify some like minded bands that you, uh, could potentially be categorized with. That's the first thing. And even make a list and write it down and then go to their social media. Ryan actually had this point too, and he's completely on point with this. Um, go to their Instagram, start following some of those people that follow the bands that are similar to your music, like their photos, and then try and create some kind of connection with them, reach out to them, um, do a call to action, um, get the song up on Spotify and iTunes and all those places, go through it and 
a distribution place, get the song up, put the uh, link to the song in your Instagram bio so it's easy access. Um, keep posting, do, you know, post high quality content as, you know, good photos and um, some little clips of the song if that's possible. And um, just reach out to a bunch of people, follow a bunch of people and, um, you know, the, the, at, at, at that point in time, when you're trying to grow your fan base, the fans are more important than you. And so um, you need to uh, basically just, just work your butt off and um, not only get people to hear your songs, but create a connection with them. And, um, and, and then uh, it should move forward at a, a slow and steady pace at first and then hopefully grow from there. Very cool. And then any tips in optimizing your social media? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely um, in regards to optimizing social media, high quality content. I keep going back to that because there's really, that's that's the thing that gets people to stay is uh, high quality anything. Uh-huh. Um, because I think people's, uh, people are so used to perfection that you need to be, you need to be right up there with it. So, um like I said, having your product or your song or whatever in your Instagram bio link in the under the website section, that's very helpful because that's kind of an immediate uh, way for people to check out your stuff. They don't have to hunt for anything. And I say Instagram is an example because it's pretty much the number one social media. I think it's going to overtake Facebook very soon. Um, and then on the Instagram bio, having a very brief call to action. Um, Definitely nothing long. Just say who you are uh, and check out this new single. Something very simple. Gotcha. Um, and um, and then I guess that's a good place to start. And then, like I said, you know, in regards to getting people to come and check out your page, um, just reaching out to those people that follow um, the followers of the bands that you're kind of similar to. Um and then, uh, I mean, I would say for other social media platforms, it's helpful to have um, have like a cool banner image on all of them and have them all kind of be similar. Like you don't want to have, for and for profile pictures as well, you don't necessarily want to have a different profile picture on your social media. You want to have the, the same one. So when people look you up, they know for sure that it's you. They're used to that yeah, that's, shot. Yeah, that's great advice. Now that I have a logo for this show, I'm, I'm using that uh, as my yeah. profile picture for my social media. So right, that, yeah, so like across the board, like yeah, it's all totally. kind of consistent. Um, same thing with the banner image. Um, and then with the banner image, you could also uh, put a call to action on that. Um, and having um, having videos as well is, uh, is very, very helpful. Cool. So. Yeah, the call to action I think I think is a good point, and uh, still, and what I took out of that book, content incorporated, I think uh, st- still email is is still an important thing. Yes. So that call to action, maybe sign up oh, for, for the mailing list because you have you still have more control with the email because once the social media platforms change their algorithms, then mm-hmm. uh, you know it's until you figure it out, then you're kind of starting back from square one. So that's uh, right. Yeah, the mailing list is a super helpful thing. That I don't, I don't foresee that dying out in the near future at all. I think that the mailing list is a classic and um, and time tested way of um, keeping your uh, fan base or your customer base or whatever it is um, completely up to date with whatever's going on. It helps keep them uh, fresh in your mind, and it's a great idea. Right on. Yeah, no, good tips. And uh, 
yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk with you more at some point, but I we're we're kind of short Absolutely. on time on this. I have a few more questions, no but as far sure. as as far as the best way to connect with you, uh, I mean, is Instagram your main form? What would you? Uh, uh, what's the best way for audience members who listen to this, who want to reach out and follow you guys a little more? What, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So you can, um, I'll just do a rundown the list. How about that? Perfect. So, so for next door to the moon, you can follow us on Instagram. That's Instagram.com slash NDTTM, uh, Twitter.com slash NDTTM, uh, Facebook.com slash next door to the moon. Um, youtube.com slash next door to the moon TV. You can also check out our website, which is www.nextdoortothemoon.com. Um, for anyone interested in checking out my family's business, Blue Planet Eyewear, you can go to the website, shopblueplaneteyewear.com, and you can follow us there uh, on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash blueplaneteyewear, twitter.com slash site and facebook.com slash blue planet eyewear. We have a couple of videos on our YouTube page as well. So go check that out. Um, and um, yeah, you know, that's, that's great to hear those because then it gives them an idea that, yeah, you pretty much have to have a presence in Twitter and Facebook and, and Instagram being a big one now, and then YouTube channel. And so, yeah, it's just like that cross pollination. So uh, totally. very cool there. So yeah, a couple more questions. Uh, sure. So if, you know, who would you love to jam with, uh, you know, anyone alive or dead? Um, John Lennon. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that'd, that'd be amazing. Yeah. George Harrison as well. Uh, pretty much anyone in the Beatles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very cool. Um, uh, Jimi Hendrix would be a pretty insane jam session. I don't know if I'd be able to keep up with Jimi Hendrix, but I would just want to be there. I'll play rhythm or something. Yeah. Uh, just something. Um, It'd be cool writing a song with John Lennon. Oh, yeah. That'd be an amazing experience. Yeah, that would be absolutely incredible. And then, Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then what, uh, you know, what event do you see, you know, and this is hard to, you know, that aha moment, you know, is is hard to, you know, know when that's going to happen. But if you were visualizing something, what do you think it would be that moment when you say to yourself, wow, I've made it? I'm, you know, where, where I, I'm in a good place as a, as a musician, as an artist. Any thoughts of that? Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's a few different milestones I can think of. Uh, one would be, you know, we start touring and we're able to pretty much tour anywhere and have an audience, um, whether it's a club tour or a theater tour or arena tour. Um, just having an audience anywhere we go. That's number one. Number two is... Um, uh, recording at Abbey Road Studios, love to do that. If that happens, if if that if we ever set foot in Abbey Road Studios, that'll be one moment where I'm just like, "Holy shit, we're at Abbey Road Studios!" <laughs> yeah. Um, and then lastly, uh, the thing that will seal the deal for me is uh, uh, playing a sold-out show at Wembley Stadium. That would be incredible. That, yeah, that-, uh, that from if 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 that happens. Um, I, I'd be pretty stoked out of my mind. That's a fine moment. That's a good. Uh, yeah. That's a good uh, yes. one to put there on your board. So yeah, man, it's been so good getting to know you and learning more about your art. And uh, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to following your career and 
you know, seeing new things and yeah, and, and hopefully collaborating on something one day. So I, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with, with myself and the uh, listeners today. Oh, absolutely. Um, thank you for having me. It, it's great talking to you as well and, um, love your podcast. And, um, we, we have, uh, if you want to, um, encourage your, your audience to sign up for your mailing list, we have uh, a coupon code from blue planet eyewear to give you, um, and then you can share that uh, with them in exchange for them signing up for your mailing list. Wow, that's that's a great idea. Thank you so much. Totally. All right, buddy. So, well, until yeah. next time. All right. Sounds good. I will talk to you later. Yeah, you.